0: To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound.
1: You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that wants to prove it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by the spin-off with help from Vodafone Zone. Please welcome your host, Simon Pound.
0: New Zealand likes to think it is clean, green and 100% pure, but if you look under the lid, quite a few things you'd expect from such a place are not really there, like recycling. Even today there's a long way to go, but we're light years on from where we were nine years ago when Steve Rickaby spotted a massive hole in the market for a company that could pick up food waste from businesses. Back in 2009, Steve was working at an insurance company that had moved into Auckland's first five-star green-rated building. As part of that rating system, staff was separating waste into rubbish, recycling and compost. But none of the large waste companies offered a service to collect that food waste. So the carefully separated waste was actually just going into the landfill. Steve saw a big problem to solve and launched We Compost Collections, with one bin on the back of his ute. They now collect over 3,000 kilograms of organic waste each week, servicing corporate offices, food courts, schools, tertiary institutes, hotels, cafes, coffee, roasters, and caterers. He was joined early on in the journey by his partner Gemma Spring, and together they have built the business to the point that since March 2012, We Compost have helped save over 4 million kilograms of waste from ending up in the landfill. And they just continue to grow, to chat about where they are, where we all are, and what's next. Stephen Gemma, join us now. G'day! Thanks Hi. for coming in. Hello.
2: Hi.
0: Hey. So, so tell us a little bit about that that first realisation that led you to start the company.
1: Yeah. So it was, I was I was working in an insurance company, and we were separating our waste. So we had these these flash sorting bins, um, for co-mingled recycling, general rubbish, and compostables, and and I just asked the question one day, where do the compostables go? And um, no one could give me an answer. So I dove a bit further and um, found out that it was all just going to landfill. <laughs> um, so <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. Um, the you know, you know this is a, this is a waste stream that that our business has and and a lot of other businesses has have. Why isn't there a collection service available like there is for rubbish and recycling?
0: And what's the point of having separate bins and all of that if it's going to the same place? It's like greenwashing of the first order.
1: That's right, yeah, exactly. It was just a veneer that you're doing the right thing. And so people in the office genuinely felt like they were doing the right thing um, by putting their waste in the correct sorting bin. But, um, um, you know, turn, turns out it wasn't... <laughs> And so what, what did it involve from having
0: that realisation to then being able to, to start the business?
1: What were your first steps? Well, I think, you know, I, I was working late nights at the insurance company and spending a lot of time by myself in front of the computer. And so initially it was just about researching what um, the opportunity sort of looked like and, and envisaging what the business would look like. Um, and in the early days it was basically just me... Imagining myself cruising around the city, picking up bins of waste and taking them to a community garden to compost, um, and that that was uh, quite a yeah that was that was my first vision of what we compost would be. Um, it became uh, very um, v- became very real, and I could see it and imagine myself doing it. And so the first step for me was to um, talk to a mate and say, "Hey, um, can you can you build us a logo?" Um, for the service i have got this this idea that we want to collect compostable waste um, and, um, and I remember the email that I sent sent to him this is I was still working at the insurance company I said I've, I've got $150 um, but we we just need to get some bins out there <laughs> and and that was it that was the extent of the business plan and um. <laughs> and 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 where, where where were those bins going? I mean, the gap in the market.
0: Were, were there no other ways to actually get compostable stuff collected? If you were like a large scale business, yeah, So well,
1: What are all these office towers been doing? Yeah, well, that that's the interesting thing. And back then, you know, there's there's always been the op- option and the opportunity to compost it yourself. Um, so. Um, even back then, there were there were large scale worm farms. These things called tap gs. These huge, you know, one half cubic meter worm farms, and um, on site composting bins, and all sorts of options to be able to do it yourself. Um, but there was nothing else outside of that. So there was no collection infrastructure, and the, and the larger waste companies had had just put it in the too hard basket. And for them, there was no incentive to collect it because they were making money from sending it to landfill. Mm. you know they, they own the landfills um, and they're collecting the rubbish. Um, so um, for them, they just didn't see there as being a market, basically, or that people would want to do it. And how did you go about starting to get customers? Was it a matter of calling up everyone who was claiming to be eco and saying, walk the talk? Well, that's, that's the thing is you, you can't really do that um, because... And, and I remember some of the initial conversations, people just say, well, I don't have any organic waste. And, and, and you're like, well, I know you do. It's just that you're not sorting it, you know, so you can't see it and, and you don't know that it exists. And that was kind of the problem in the early days was that people didn't identify it as an independent waste stream. They just saw it as being rubbish. Um, so, you know, I had this wonderful idea and, and this vision of what it could be um, but, but I really didn't know what the next step was and, um, and so what I did is I, I started advertising on my brother's landscaping website he was, he was running a landscaping business um, for a compost collection and eventually after a few months I got a phone call out of the blue um, from this guy Glenn at 8.30 coffee on K Road um, just saying hey um, um, I'm roasting coffee and I've got these, this chaff and coffee grounds um, just wondering if you guys collect it. And, and I said, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, that's exactly what we do. Um, I, I didn't tell him we didn't have any customers. <laughs> uh, um, and, um, and said, when, when do you want a bin? And so then I said about tr- trying to find a supplier of bins uh, <laughs> and bought him a bin and, uh, and, and delivered it down there. Um and literally started. So I had one customer, you know, for probably the first few months, you know, and I'd I'd pick his bin up once a week and I'd take it down to Kalmana, um, community gardens in Herne Bay and um and pop it in the compost or use it as mulch around the fruit trees.
0: Ah, that that's so cool. And of course coffee grounds are fantastic for that purpose. Not much sorting, a really nice mm-hmm. kinda easy way into the business. How how did yeah. it build? When did you know that it was gonna be something that was gonna be more than a, a trip to the gardens?
1: Yeah, so I think, it, you know, initially it was very slow, but to me it it felt fast. Um, so after 8.30, it was really just kind of friends and family. Um, at the time, my flatmate was working at Stephen Mar, um and saying, hey, well, they've got, um, looking for a solution for their organic waste as well. And so, again, I just kind of, you know, all of a sudden we had three more bins out there. And then we grew literally organically um, for the next twelve months but for me looking back on it, it was incredibly slow, you know. Um, but at the time I thought I was thinking, wow, I've got to five bins or I've got to ten bins. If I can do ten, I can do a hundred, you know? And and then I get to a hundred bins and thought, if I can do a hundred I can do a thousand, you know, and it and it just went on like that for years. <laughs> so And and so this started in two thousand and
0: nine. Is that, that right? Thereabouts so you're, yeah it you're coming was up and.
1: 10 when we had our first bin yep. Okay,
0: great, and and so over that 7 years you've gone from one one customer to how many bins have you got out now at the moment?
1: Oh, what do you think? Mm,
2: we've probably got over over 300 different sites and some
1: It's actually more like 500 I think Oh, <laughs> oh god <Sorry>. um,
2: <laughs> and obviously that some sites have multiple bins so Oh, gosh. Yeah, we're
1: picking up um, thousands of bins per yeah. week now. Wow. Yeah. And so what do you have to learn
0: along the way to do something like that? Because I imagine going from a bin on the back of your ute, you'd have to uh, up your infrastructure at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's the the, the thing. Along the way, there, there are periods where things plateau and you think, oh, this is pretty easy. I remember when, when I got to the point it was just me... Um, picking up bins like twice a week with a unit a trailer and I thought this is pretty good this is quite comfortable i you know I've got this sort of routine going and this is this that's, is fine
2: that's when we met actually you yeah. we were living a cruisy
1: life <laughs> yeah, exactly um, and I think you know so and I suppose that''s a, is a good point is Gemma and I met and then um, we sort of uh, wasn't planned as such but um Within the first month, I think we found out that Jim was pregnant. <laughs>
2: um, so, oh boy! <laughs> yeah.
1: So we had to, you know, we were faced with some really tough decisions. You know, I was um, at the time. I think we had um, seven hundred dollars a month revenue. Um, Gemma was studying at uni full time, um, <laughs> and, and working part time as a cleaner and in a cafe. And um, and we were kind of like, well, what are we going to do? You know, we've got to. You know, we had to make some calls and and we just decided we were gonna plow ahead with everything. So we we like, Okay, well I think you know, I can see we Compost has potential, you know, we we're gonna do it. And and we made the call that we we're gonna grow the business and
2: And on my um, student allowance and part time wage I was going to um, fund our living. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: wow.
0: Well that's yeah. that's all in. Mm. mm. What was I thinking? And so so what happened by you coming in, Gemma, and getting involved in the business? What what were you able to do to help kind of like push the growth?
2: Oh, well, Steve promptly moved in with me and um, (laughs) I guess I supported him and he was able to... um, You were sort of working one or two days at uh, another job, which you were able to pass up and then really fully focus and get your... um, HT licence and you know, go full throttle and Mm
0: -hmm. At what stage did you guys bring in the trucks?
1: Yeah, so we got our first truck in April 2012 um, and that was through um, part part funded through a grant from the Minister of the Environment um, because back then what we were doing didn't exist and so there's a levy of $10 per tonne of waste that goes to landfill that goes towards a waste minimisation fund and that fund is there to support projects that divert waste from landfill so we got funding through that which helped us get the first truck Um, we then borrowed against the truck to help fund our growth um, buying wheelie bins and so forth Um, And from that point onwards, it was was really, you know, all in. Like, we had no choice but to grow. You know, we're effectively in a five-year contract with the Ministry for the Environment, and we just had to make it work. And have
0: you ever been at the point where you're down to... It sounds like you guys didn't start with a, a huge buffer financially. Uh, N-
2: negative so, more than anything. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: there must have been points when you guys were down to your your last dollar with, with all of that infrastructure to get yeah. up and going. Yeah, I mean, that's, th- th- that's those right. bins must be expensive to have produced for you, and the,
1: the yeah. trucks, I imagine, um, aren't roses. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's—I mean—that's why what we're doing is such a challenging business. You know, it's capital intensive. It's—you um, um, you, need—you need—you need a lot of customers to mm. to make it work, because you're picking up a relatively small amount. So You need—you know, as a starting point, you need 100 customers. You know, four and, and know. it's
0: an education piece as well. So it's not yeah. something that already exists. You've got to go and build your market there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. So it was very, very tough. You know, those the first few years were in particular, and and in a growing business, it's always tough. You know, you're always starved of cash because mm. you're always growing as fast as you can afford. Um, but yeah, I remember the the first few years. Um, yeah, there's one <laughs> one time in particular. You know, we always got through. You know, we we I remember initially getting my HT license. Um, the only reason I was able to afford it is because I got a letter from the bank, the ASB bank, just saying, hey, um, would you like to extend your credit card limit? And and I thought, well, yes I would. I to <laughs> use that to go and get an H D licence. You know, so and that was the starting point. So we were we were behind the eight ball from day one, you know, in sort of a negative equity position. Um and, and it was incredibly tough. And you know uh, the one time, though, that I just remember it was being really, really, you know, we're not going to see a way through it. We, it, it was just me and we had one part-time driver. Um, the thrust bearing went, you know, on the, on our first truck. And the thrust bearings is an expensive repair. And, I remember walking away from the mechanics and I literally had to walk home because I didn't have enough money for a, for a taxi. Um, and just walking home, just thinking, I don't know how we're going to get through this. Like, I don't, I don't know, um, you know, I don't know how I'm going to explain this to Jimmy when I get home. <laughs> we were two months away from our second child and, um, and I just literally couldn't see a way through. Um, and so I remember walking over Mungery Bridge um, you know, from only hunger at the mechanics to home and I just remember just one step after the next, and there's just nothing going through my head. Um, and then and then eventually, I just remember thinking, I just remembered um, Jeff, who used to own Revel Cafe on K Road. I remember him saying to me once that what we do helps him sleep at night. And <laughs> that was you know f- that was the sort of thing that gets you through times like that, you know, and I thought, you know, we are doing a service. You know, it's not about us; it's about helping other people. You know, and 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 we just knew that we would make it through from that. And it was, I think, I think so. Through those tough times, it's always been our customers that have kind of pulled us through. You know, um, knowing that we're doing good and and um, making
0: their lives better. And I imagine that you'd have to pick up a lot of the. Uh you know in any entrepreneur's journey you have to do everything but not every entrepreneur has a Massive rubbish truck that they have to fix. Like, so did you ever
1: expect to basically be uh, a, a service uh, servicer for trucks? Or, no, yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was in the, in the early days, you know, it was just this vision of like, oh, you know, it's gonna be so cool. I'm gonna help people divert waste from landfill. We're gonna make compost. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> and uh, and then a few years down the track, you realize we're running a logistics Business and I'm basically a mechanic keeping trucks on the road, you know. Um, and, and you just have to live with that, you know, and just recognize that, that that is what you have to do. Yeah, the, the thing is, as well, is that, you know, it is capital intensive. And when you're not running new gear, you know, you've got older trucks, um, they take a lot of work to maintain. Mm. And, and And that's just what we had to do. We didn't really have any choice but to get second hand older gear, which was gonna take time and money to maintain. Um, So we're at a point now where things are a bit different and and we've got our first brand new truck being built at the moment. And and a lot of that is to actually save me time because we recognize that so much of my time is maintaining trucks. If we had new gear, then it's gonna free my time up to be able to focus more on sales and growing the business.
0: There's that great line that um, only a rich person can afford a cheap car. And, you know, mm. <laughs> they mm. break down all the
1: time. And yeah, we, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've learned that the hard way, yeah. What about the
0: industry as a whole? So, um, you know, waste management and stuff, like famously in pop culture, it's what the Sopranos say they're into. Mm-hmm. How have you found coming into a, an industry where there are established players and you're bringing quite a new offering in um, something that's sustainable, eco, mm. um, probably disrupting
1: their business. Mm. Yeah, that's that's right. And that that's exactly how we feel um, in this industry. So New Zealand's pretty interesting in, the, in that there was a heck of a lot of con- consolidation in the waste industry um, sort of 20 years ago. Um, so... Um, what what happened is, we, whereas sort of twenty years ago there were a whole lot of um, small family owned rubbish companies operating throughout the country, and then slowly they all got sold and that, um consolidated into a couple of very very large companies which are now owned offshore. Um, and so we're in, it's an interesting market because these are huge businesses, mm-hmm. you know, billion dollar companies, you know, running eight hundred trucks and. Um yet, what we 're trying to do is to say well hey there's this kind of romantic notion of this family owned rubbish company um that you know and just bringing that back you know and i, and I, I what do you think oh, I mean. yeah,
2: and I think um the way you've gone about it and potentially have had to go about it was build these relationships with the customers um particularly in terms of the type of waste you, you we've we're collecting it was an education like you say and Um, something quite new so yes a romantic notion but also a bit of a community I think and Mm -hmm. that's really important to us and we are much larger than we were seven years ago but something we want to try and continue on as we grow is that um, connectivity with people as best as possible because that's the fun side of it as well I mean like Steve said it is a logistics business bottom line and it's dirty business but um the community is the fun mm-hmm. fun part of it for me
1: <laughs> mm. I remember actually um before I started We Compost I talked with um some mates and there's a, there's one mate James um, Tucker who owns um, food businesses and he said well what's going to stop waste management going out and rolling out a Compost collection service. And I was, well, there's nothing that can stop them. They can do whatever the hell they want. You know, um, they've they've got the money to do it. Um, and that's when I understood that we had to do something different. And and so we needed it to be more than just a service. It had to be a brand and a movement that people could buy into. And that's. That's what We Compost is. It's something that people can say, we compost. We can put a sticker up on our win- window and be proud of that. Mm. You're not going to put a waste management sticker on <laughs> your front door of your cafe. <laughs> you <know? laughs> um, and, that, and that's kind of, you, you know, and so that's part of, um, part of what, how we have have disrupted mm. this industry is by offering something more than a service. What things have
0: surprised you guys getting into this industry and learning about recycling? Like, there are a couple of things over the years that have really amazed me. Like, I don't know what the situation is now so much, but that we used to just send so much of our recycling to China. And so you put it in your bin, and you get this mm. idea that someone's turning it into a maybe a downcycled product mm. in New Zealand in an industrial estate. Mm. But no, just all of these things are being
1: picked mm. up, shipped off, and who knows what happens? Yeah, yeah. Well, it is, it is very interesting to kind of to learn about the industry and, and, and what goes on. And the, the, China is the latest thing, um, you know, to, to go on. Basically, they've shut their borders and they're not accepting the rest of the world's waste mm. anymore. The challenge is to be able to increase our processing capabilities here to be able to do more. And obviously, glass is a really easy one. You know, we've got the glass plants here in Auckland. You know, we're able to sort it, separate it and turn it into new bottles right here in Auckland. But plastics is really, really challenging and there's simply not enough volume to be able to justify building a plant to deal with it here. So there's a a different way to look at it. You can say, well, anything that's made in plastic, what if you were to make it out of um, a compostable material, Mm. you know? What if you turned it into something that was plant-based like PLA or... Um, some kind of cornstarch-type type product, and then all of a sudden it means that you're not going to have to rely on sorting it and separating it, and the cost associated with that, and you're not going to have to export it to Asia to be able to deal with it. The thing that touches all
0: consumers, like anyone listening here, it's things like coffee cups, where mm-hmm. it's a really obvious example, and some drink bottles, uh, some of the plastic drink bottles. But that's such an interesting point that when... The recycling bit of the reduce, reuse, recycle isn't actually working for plastic. Mm. You've really got to push up the mm. other the other bits: your <laughs> reduce, or your reuse, or your innovation, which is compost it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I th- I think that's the next thing that's going to happen. I think that people are going to recognise um, that that you know we, we see it now. There's kind of the zero waste. Um, um, you say it the, um, the, there's, there's a massive movement um, towards zero waste and we can see that growing and, and I guess like we compost sort of seven years ago perhaps it was early days but I know in another five or ten or fifteen years um, you're not going to feel accepted walking down the street holding a takeaway coffee cup you know so I think there is going to be a big social shift um, away from um, disposables and single-use.
0: And, and you guys are dealing with the thing that um, everyone else kind of just puts it in their bin and then forgets about it. Mm. But the cumulative result of everyone doing that, um, it must be it must be kind of, um, I guess, be- bewildering, uh, but also quite a unique experience to actually be facing up to the volume of waste that we all ignore.
2: Well, we've found when we've introduced this... Third stream to people, they've been amazingly surprised at the volumes that they are producing of this other waste, this compostable waste, and how much their um, rubbish or general waste has reduced. So,
1: mm. yeah, we just remember just last week we had a new customer start in a little cafe um, and they said, Oh, we'll just start with an 80 litre bin, that'll be fine. And then within two days, like, Oh, calling up, can we um, actually, we need the 120 litre. And then two days after that was, actually, I think we're going to need a 240 litre. And these were people that a few months ago didn't believe they even had any compostable waste, you know.
0: And where are you guys at now? So you, you started uh, together, uh, you know, up against it, and you've managed to kind of bootstrap and uh, innovate and build the business. Where are you guys now?
1: You know, al- along the way, we've still... Um, a lot of what we've had to do has been reactive. Um and and now in some regards what we're doing is kind of the fun part because now we're able to build systems and we're able to kind of um start scaling the business up and that's that's getting really exciting. You know, we're now growing faster in a day than we were in a month. Um, you know, in the early days. It's still
2: quite organic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, so, so it's exciting, you know, and, and as as things are really ramping up, and I feel like the public now is caught up to us. And um, in, initially, it's um, you know we took it for granted. We thought this is everyone should be thinking like we are, but but now we understand that perhaps you need to give people time and um, and and. But they're here now, and we're ready to ride sort of ride that wave. Oh, that's so mm. exciting.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us about the business today, Steve and Gemma. Uh, such a cool <laughs> wave to be on, uh, and we'll look forward to seeing where We Compost goes next. And if you are listening and you're thinking, oh, boy, there are a lot of banana skins and sandwich scraps in my office, uh, get in touch. It's wecompost.co.nz, and they'll be able to look after you. Thank you very much, Alice, for producing today. And thank you very much for listening.
1: You've been listening to Business Is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. All this was brought to your ears by The Spin-Off and Vodafone Zone.
0: From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business Is Boring, brought to you by Spark Lab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Spark Lab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are
2: you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment?